Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So we did a happy hour this week. We watched The Devil Made Me Do It. It is a documentary. Do you have any clue what channel it was on? It was on, um, it was on Dis- Travel Channel, I think. Oh, okay. We watched it on Discovery Plus. So. Yeah, I think it was on Travel Channel. Okay. Um, and it is basically the story. It is the inspiration for The Conjuring, which is the third movie from The Conjuring franchise. And I've not seen it. I haven't seen it either. Um, I believe it's new. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so. It's the third one. Right. And this is the documentary about the story uh, surrounding that. So, uh, so as you know, these are all cases that Ed and Lorraine Warren have investigated. And this was a case of literally putting the devil on trial. Okay, so this is in Brookfield, Connecticut. It's an average hometown, calm, beautiful community with a dark side, though. February 16th, 1981, a violent murder rocks the town. Arnie Johnson, 19 years old, knifed his landlord to death. Uh, Police say it was an open and shut case. It was murder. He will plead innocent because he was possessed by the devil. This made headlines around the world. And it was getting Ed and Lorraine Warren's attention because of that. It was a huge opportunity to put the devil on trial, which that's what they have wanted to do. You know, they want him to be known. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So they reached out to an attorney named Martin. He goes by Marty. He had never heard of them or the case. And he says they came to him and explained what was going on. He arranged a meeting at the Warren's house in Montero, Connecticut. Then Lorraine is on camera and she is explaining that they think that he was possessed because of what he had subjected himself to. We're talking about Arnie. Um, So Arnie had recently participated in a series of exorcisms involving his girlfriend's 11-year-old brother, David, who was under attack by demonic forces. So this attorney, Marty, said he was skeptical, but he wanted to see what evidence they had before he got involved. He wanted to know if he could actually, you know, defend this person or if he just was going to sound like a loony. So they first play him an audio recording captured by the family in Brookfield. It's a recording a recording of Arnie, David's mother, Judy, and his sister, Debbie, participating in the exorcisms. And you also hear what is supposed to be David, and he is growling and doesn't sound like a little boy mm-hmm. at all in these audio recordings. Um, Arnie is really into helping. You can hear him trying over and over yeah. again. To help this little boy. Um, And Martin, Marty, the attorney, he's terrified. He is absolutely convinced they're dealing with something supernatural. So he agrees to help. And they tell him that to investigate this case, he will need to go back seven months to July of 1980. So Lorraine is on camera again. And she says that Arnie Johnson that they met was your typical all-American kid. Very good young man, hardworking as a tree surgeon. Debbie, also, she's a very good girl. She works as a dog groomer, and they were planning to get married in the fall. Uh, when Arnie is on camera, he, he's 
actually Arnie Johnson and Debbie are both participating in this as well as Lorraine Warren and the attorney yeah. is also on camera. Um, so Arnie is actually on camera uh, talking about Debbie and they went to school together. They were friends and then they became a bit more looking to better their lives. They were looking for a home of their own and they found a place in Newton, Connecticut. It was close to Debbie's family. It was private, a private country home. And they put everything they had into getting this home, all their savings, everything. So Alan and David, which are Debbie's younger brothers, they come by to help with the move along with their mother, Judy. David is always a, has a smile on his face. He's a happy kid. He's a joy to be around. Arnie liked him a lot. Very outgoing. He said he laughed a lot. Um, everyone is excited about the new house, except for Judy, Debbie's mother. She says it was always dark no matter how many windows were open. She said it felt very heavy, oppressive inside, and a feeling of being watched as well. Um, it was dusty with an old waterbed left behind, uh, but they they tried to talk they tried to talk Debbie and Arnie out of the house, but Debbie was not having it. She wanted that house. They put everything they had into it. So. They start moving in. Debbie gave each of her brothers a job to do, and David was to sweep the master bedroom. Um, so they show this creepy reenactment of David sweeping, and then he gets pushed onto the bed, and he looks to see who pushed him, and you see this gray man pointing at him, and he says, beware, and then laughs, like, maniacally. Mm -hmm. So Debbie said that David ran outside and sat under, under a tree, he looked upset and she asked why he wasn't sweeping and he wouldn't tell them at first. All he would say is that he wants to go home. And she said that wasn't like David at all. Um, she can't stop and think about it. She, you know, they're busy. So she let it go and asked her other brother, Alan, to pick up the slack. So then another reenactment, which I didn't like the reenactments very I, much. No, I didn't they weren't the greatest, but and they were like um, a lot. Yeah. Like the majority of the, the documentary. But um, so Alan is in that same bedroom and the door slams shut and basically locks him in until the door just opens again on its own. So he also has a terrifying experience in that same bedroom. So Alan and David are like, fuck this place. They want to leave. They want to go home. Then later they start talking about what happened. And Arnie and Debbie haven't finished at the new place so they're still staying at the family home in Brookfield. Um, so they all go back there and Alan and David come out into the kitchen and they told them what had happened in the bedroom. Arnie says that he asked if if he found pills and took them or something like they don't believe them at all. Yeah. So and David says, if I close my eyes, I can still see that old man like he he saw something. So then he says that the old man is still at the rent the rental home, and at night he turns into what David called the beast. He changes from daytime to nighttime. He would turn into this thing with coal black eyes, jagged teeth, pointed ears, and again says, if I close my eyes, I can see him pacing back and forth at that place. So, like, he's... That's creepy. It is creepy. And this it sounds like this demon is already taking over some part of his, at least memory, something. Yeah. So everyone's thinking that this is not like David at all. 
He's never made things up before. He was always occupied with cartoons and toys. Very typical little boy. So it's hard to know what to think at this point, listening to him talk. Uh, David said that the beast is threatening to hurt him because he told his family what had happened to him that day. He says that he was talking to him right now, telling him to beware. Said that Arnie and David shouldn't move into that house or David would pay the price. David begged them not to move in and Debbie said she was scared, but she needed proof. Like, of course. I, I understand where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, you're not just going to... He's 11. Yeah. You know, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, let 11-year-old, please make our decisions. What I didn't understand was why was he, why did he keep saying beware? I know. It's like he's trying to warn him away, but. I don't, I don't know. That that didn't make any sense to me. That is very weird. I don't know. Um, so they put, they, they put everything into getting this house again. And she was like, no, this is, this is our house. So the next day, Arnie goes back to the house to drop off a few more boxes and feels two sharp taps on his shoulder, and he was there alone. Um, He shrugged it off and continued to work upstairs. So later that day, the previous owner of the house comes to pick up that waterbed that was left behind. So Debbie asks if something is weird in the house, and she says, yeah, uh, especially in the master bedroom. Mm -hmm. She had heard whispering and felt a cold body in bed next to her and she had also seen the old man. This is way too much information for Debbie. And she talks to Arnie. She tells him that she's not moving into that house, that David was telling the truth. And Arnie agrees that it was a bad choice. So they decide to just get their money back and find something else, which that is amazing. Yeah. You can't totally. Well, obviously there was a reason, you know, if I've heard stories of people being like, um, yeah, this is way haunted. And the guy's like, yeah, you're right. Here's your money back. (laughs) You know? So like, he might've known. Yeah. Whoever this landlord guy was Mm -hmm. might've known what was going on. So he was like, yeah, okay, here. (laughs) You never know. Yeah. Cause they never say anything about. I mean, they said they actually, yeah, they said they got their money back and they tried to look for something else. Yeah. So, but yeah, they already started moving in and everything. But see, that's what sucks, though, because they did do the right thing. Yeah. They did not move in. Yeah. But. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they move in back into the family home in Brookfield and start looking for another place. But that same day, they learn that they they can't escape what has already happened. Um, They're just sitting there watching TV and David starts freaking out saying that the beast is on its way and it's coming here. He's really scared and he says that he can see the beast on its way from the rental home. I would freak out. No, what the fuck? He said it's almost there. It's coming toward the front door. Judy opens the front door scared, but nothing's there. His mother is scared and she had to be strong though. So she grabbed holy water and, you know, starts throwing it everywhere. David said he's at the front window, and then he says he hates it. He hates it. Mm. Uh, the beast had left and went back to the rental house, and everyone's like, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, everyone's freaking out. So finally, some peace and calm. They go to bed, and they, they think everything's over. Um, and it's the 4th of July, 1980, when it starts again. So they went to a 4th of July picnic, and when they came home, 
David is very scared again. He says that the beast is in the house and he found a way through the attic. They're trying to calm him down. We're all here. It's okay. You know, we're here with you. Um, but when they're asleep, Debbie is woken by footsteps in the attic. She actually wants to call the police, but Arnie wants to investigate first. He goes up to the attic and there's nothing but boxes. So he did feel an ice cold presence go through him, but he shrugs it off and tells Debbie that there's no one up there. Then huge stomping footsteps start above them. And after a few minutes, it stopped. Um, they couldn't explain this, obviously, the first time they experienced anything like this. Nobody slept that night. They didn't know what to do. They need to find some help. They, you know, they, they don't know what to do anymore because obviously it's been a few days and this crazy shit just keeps happening. Um, but who wouldn't think that they were crazy? Mm -hmm. So David is the only one that has seen anything or uh, heard what the beast is saying. And a few days later on July 9th, Judy is becoming alarmed by her son. David says that the beast is telling him that he is more powerful than Jesus. The beast is telling David to take down any religious relics in the house. And Judy is a devout Catholic. She is not having any of this shit. Mm -hmm. She is like, fuck that. And just the fact that he is suggesting taking down her religious relics is frightening her. Which, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Why would he say that ever? Yeah, exactly. So the beast is always talking to David, sending messages through him. So they call a priest and David warns them not to do it or there will be consequences. Uh, so bruises start appearing on David with no one around him and they feel hopeless at this point. It's a dire situation and David's life is, a, is at stake. They need real help. So Judy calls Father Dennis and he calls for a house blessing. He does every room and he gives David David um, scapulas. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. And I meant to look it up. I even put a note to look it up and I didn't. But I think they're just like religious necklaces or like charms or. Well, that's the something. picture they showed or the yeah reenactment they showed. Right. I think it's just some charm or something. Yeah, there's a picture. I also did want to say people thinks it, think it's still the 4th of July around here, so you might hear fireworks in the background. That's the picture it shows. Okay. So, yeah, it looks like maybe necklaces, charms, something religious, something blessed, I'm sure. And it's actually scapular. Scapular? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, he gave them those to wear. Then they say that David's toy dinosaur became animated and told him to beware. That, <laughs> that reenactment was... It was horrible. <laughs> but, but what? I'm sitting there, though, when I'm watching it, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, what would I do? If your if toy dinosaur told you to, be, to beware? Yeah, and it got up and started moving on its own i i would that's the kind of thing that just i find it so hard to i believe. know so i know hard to that, believe that is one thing that i figured we would talk about like watching these listening to them even on podcasts hearing about these stories like what the actual mm -hmm. fuck what a toy dinosaur told him to beware yeah i just what 
And then further on in the story, the other thing, I'll, well, let's just keep going. I'll mention it when we get to it. Okay, so because the toy dinosaur told David to beware, Judy realizes that the blessing thing didn't work. It didn't do anything, and they need something more powerful. So uh, David starts being attacked and said that the beast stabbed him and plunged a knife into his chest. And there was a red line on his chest. Everyone was freaked out. So the beast wanted David's soul and said to him that he would make his life miserable if he didn't give it to him. And David fought and said he wasn't giving it to him. He says his soul belongs to Jesus Christ, which like you fucking go, dude. Mm -hmm. So the beast brings back or comes back and brings additional entities. And there was supposed to be a total of 43 demons in this kid or like on, you know, on call waiting to attack anybody in the house. And there's no names. Yeah, they go by numbers. They go by numbers. Each one had a number assigned to them, and the beast would call them the number. Or they did this because they wouldn't know their names, so they couldn't say them because apparently that gives gives them more power. So, very smart Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all of the entities that were attached to them, uh, they would watch them. David always had multiple entities around him that would torment him. Everyone in the house had a demon assigned to them that would, you know, watch them specifically. Uh, They would beat David, scream at him, try and break him down so he would give in. Uh, Judy calls Father Dennis just desperate, and he gives them Ed and Lorraine Warren's number. The town that they live in is very Roman Catholic, And this is all within days of them going to this house. This happens very quickly. The Warrens are on their way, and they arrive that same night. And a physician came with them also to check David out. There was no signs of abuse or anything that seemed off. He was perfectly normal, so the investigation turns paranormal. So they're just observing what's going on at this point. And Lorraine says that she can see auras, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said that she could see in David's aura that he was being affected. She could see something. Something was lurking around in the living room. So Ed starts provoking to see who it is. And they hear three loud bangs, which is supposed to be a sign of demonic. Three to mock the Holy Trinity. Not a typical haunting of evil forces. David, who does say that he, he says his name is Satan. So David said that. It's the devil fucking, you know, inside him, basically. Um, and then, you know, Ed realizes, yeah, we're dealing with a demon. So the Warrens confirm that they have an army of demons led by Satan, along with 42 other helpers. An exorcism is urgently needed, or David may lose his soul. And the soul is God's gift, and Satan wants, the, wants that soul, but you have to give it to him. He can't take it. But David is still, he's resisting. He's super strong. And the the more he resists, the worse it gets. So an exorcism is a process. It has to go through the Catholic Church. Um, So in the meantime, the Warrens give them things to protect themselves and told David, or told them that David was to never be alone and they would be back. 
So they felt a bit better that they could provide answers. At least someone knew, you know, at least showed a sign that they knew what was going on a little bit. So they're waiting for this process to go through the church so they can get an exorcism. And David starts freaking out again. He actually puts a knife to his brother Alan's throat. They're all scared. And as soon as the Warrens get back home, they get a call to, like, come back right away. The beast is back. And David stopped breathing. Then Debbie says, we lost him. Like, he died. So everyone is horrified. The Warrens show back up right when start when David starts breathing again. I put pretty bad reenactment. Mm-hmm. The Warrens posted a threat, which is why the demon let go. Lorraine also says that you are never possessed 24-7. They pick on the vulnerable ones as well. So you have, like she said that you go in and out. So the demon will come in and, and go out. There were physical attacks, pounding, stuff levitating, still waiting on the church this whole time. So they fight back as much as they can, and it would only show itself when it wanted to. So they take turns being with David. So he's never alone. So Debbie starts recording David's voice for proof for the church so that they can speed things up. Debbie, Arnie, Alan, and Judy all trying to do exorcisms by themselves. And it's supposed to be literally the devil. So they're, you know, they're trying to protect him as much as they can. They're trying to do anything they can. It's really sad. And the, the Warrens also keep returning, trying to help. She said that they were decent people and she did feel for them. They told them just to keep it up. So Debbie starts a journal. Um, one day, Alan is home alone and hears hissing from the bedroom. He said it sounded like a snake. And that sound foreshadows other attacks on the other family members. So everyone is being attacked by this point. Um, and it's, this is the end of July. And they, I mean, this has been, what, a month? Yeah. Crazy. So Arnie had a demonic encounter. Uh, a body of a man, just a black mass. The eyes were pits. Like, he said it looked like pits into another realm. He told the family. And it was the first time that anyone besides David had seen anything. Well, except for Alan, because he saw the door slam. But I guess he didn't see you know, anything. Yeah. So several weeks go by and Debbie is still keeping this journal with all of these terrifying things that are happening. It's still threatening to kill the Warrens as well. One day, Judy leaves David alone for a moment. And when she returns to him, she hears this voice that wasn't David's, but from David that said, David isn't here. This, his soul is mine and someone is going to die. Then he starts freaking out again, and he's being attacked. Uh, I put side notes. The, re- the reenactments aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lorraine said it was not like David. When she looked at him, she said she had never seen anything like it. So they bring a father, Glass- Glasso, and he can see that he needs to escalate this quickly, that David may not be there any longer. Um, so that he calls a father Virgilac, and he says they don't have time to wait on the church. So he proceeds with an informal exorcism at the local Catholic church. And basically, it's the series of prayers. It's basically the first steps to try to get rid of this thing. So it's 
it's informal, um, but it's kind of, you know, pushing up the process a little bit. So they're basically praying, commanding in Christ's name for them to leave. David is talking in foreign tongue and he's trying to intimidate them, but they're not giving up. Things are flying around the church. Uh, when the priest gets distracted and loosens David a bit, he gets loose. David went after the priest and scratched him. David then went limp again, and Debbie pulled the priest off of David and yelled that they're killing him. So they stopped. And because they stopped, they have to start from square one again. Like, it, it was like nothing happened. I didn't write this down, but I believe that when they got to the church, David was really resisting going yeah, in the was. church at all. Yeah, um, And I meant to... Oh, I did put that. I just skipped it. Uh, when David is brought to the church, they have to actually wrap him in a sheet because he's so violently resisting. Okay, so a second ex exorcism is, is set up for the next week, and the Warrens tell Debbie that they must proceed no matter what David says during it. And it's set up for September 8th. And it was... September 8th, be specifically because it was the Virgin Mary's birthday. So they figured that would be a good day to do it. And they're hoping for nonviolence. So this exorcism is quite calm in comparison. David felt better after and they were hopeful that it worked. So Lorraine says that they have to wait until after midnight to see if it worked. So this is September 9th, 1980. Right after midnight, all hell breaks loose. So right after the 8th, uh, he's totally possessed again. Things are flying around. He's screaming. So they tie him to a chair. Arnie said it looked like he was dying. And they made a decision. He made a decision to challenge the demon and told it to come into him. L Lorraine did not like that. No. She was not happy. She told him to stop, but he was he was doing it to help David. And she said that he obviously did not know what he was getting himself into and he would regret it. So this battle continues overnight. When it was done, it was like a dark veil was undone and it was gone. David was back. Everything felt peaceful. David was more like himself. Oh, but the Warrens, always the downers. They knew it wasn't over and it would be back. It was inevitable, they say. Um, they knew it wasn't good, and they had warned Arnie to watch out for himself because he invited a demon to party. You can't do that. So, before you go any further, did yes. you skip the part where David was levitating? Uh, did I miss it? When was that? Was that the exorcism? I can't remember exactly when it was. It was when one of the priests was there. I must have skipped that part then. Okay. <laughs> that's when that's another one that I find really hard to believe. And I don't remember when it was. I don't remember which priest it was, but they went there to their house and it showed one of the really bad reenactments <laughs> yeah. and it showed him levitated off the bed. He I was like he was face down, but he was like his oh. arms and legs were spread out and he was just like levitating off the bed. Yeah. And that that's when the priest it was when the the priest realized that they had to hurry up and start the exorcism. Okay. When so he saw that. I see. 
But that's the the other thing that I was like, I don't, I can't picture I know. that in real life. I know. And like, you're watching like Arnie and Debbie on camera. They're talking about this and you're like, they seem normal. Oh yeah. They're they to- seem totally no- what normal. What the fuck? Are yeah. you serious? Like, what? And you know, this isn't the only story. No. The 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 book that we did. I know. I know. That stuff was Things freaking flying. crazy. I know. And you know, this week I, you know, with this documentary, and I started watching um, UFO Witness on Discovery Plus. That is scary. I've never watched that. Oh my god! <laughs> it's so like, and I, you know, I kind of realized or came to the realization this week that I have no fucking clue what's happening ever, ever. And if anybody thinks we have control of anything yeah. in our lives, you are wrong. Mm-hmm. You have no clue what's going on. No clue. It's so scary. But yeah, I must have missed the levitation part. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I could. I and you know, honestly, if you don't see it for yourself, yeah, you don't believe it. You can't. You can't. Mm-mm. Even if you do see it for yourself, sometimes you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so September 9th, 1980. David is not better. Just after midnight, all hell breaks loose. Uh, possessed again. Oh, they tied him to a chair. I just said that. So Arnie said it looked like he was dying. And he, I already said that too. Oh, okay. So November, a couple months later, in 1980, two months later, actually, David is healthy and happy. Arnie hasn't experienced anything. So Arnie and David are ready to move on. Put that crap past them. And my thing is, do they really think that he could do that and nothing was going to happen? I, well, maybe they thought the exorcism worked or, you know, maybe but they, it didn't. It didn't stop until he invited yeah, that's, yeah. it into him. I don't know. They thought, oh, OK, everything's good. I, maybe they did. But, you know, it's so it's so crazy to think. About any way, you know, like, what do you think at that point? Like, you know, you probably don't know what the fuck. Okay, the demons are gone. That's like the weirdest thought that nobody ever, you know what I mean? Like, it's the crazy, what's the craziest thing? What do you think? Maybe they did think it was over. Maybe they thought, oh, well, the devil found somebody better to haunt. Or, you know, like... While an 11-year-old little boy, you know, it, who knows? I mean... Or maybe his... Him, uh... I just had it in my head. Dang it. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sacrificed. Oh! Maybe he figured since he sacrificed himself that that vanquished the demon. Oh, maybe. I mean, you, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what they thought? Who knows? Okay, so November, they're ready to move on. Debbie starts working for a local dog groomer, and his name is Alan Bono. And the an apartment came with the job on the kennel grounds. So she starts working for this guy. They get the, an apartment that's on these grounds that she works on. He lives in a different apartment on the property, and they all become friends. They're drinking buddies. Great new life. Everything seems good. 
And remember, it has been a couple months. Mm -hmm. So, if, you know, then maybe they started to just move on and hope, you know, hope for the well, best. Well, I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. Okay, so there, all of a sudden one night, there is a physical altercation at the dog kennels and the cops come. Alan comes out wounded. Debbie yells that he's been stabbed. He's still alive, but EMT takes over. Then we, we meet Peg Ellis. She is busybody at home with nothing better to do than listen to her scanner. Uh, she's listening to her scanner. They took him to the hospital. It was not looking good for him. And they were shocked by this because in their little town, that just does not happen. It's, you know, I could, Fortville even, like where we come from. If you had a murder that everybody knew about, oh, that yeah. would be crazy. It would. So, so Debbie tells the police that it was Arnie and he just wasn't right, is what she said. She said that he could go anywhere and do anything. She wasn't sure. Obvi, she knows what's up. And so she says that an argument was between the two men. Alan was stabbed and Arnie had fled. Norman Ellis, which is Peg's husband, he's a policeman, sees Arnie and calls it in. And Peg knew that they were looking for the knife, so she was scared for her husband. But he got Arnie and another cop shows up. They didn't feel threatened by him at all. He says that something happened. He just doesn't remember. He seemed very confused, and they took him into custody. Then they got news that Alan had passed away. So, murder. Uh, cops meet with Arnie, and he still appears dazed and was confused as to why he was in a cell. Then Arnie comes on screen and says, uh, what the fuck? Like, no, you've got the wrong guy. I didn't murder anybody. He's like, you know, you're crazy. Um, but they told him that Alan was murdered and he kind of realizes he's in serious fucking trouble at this point. So with Debbie's statement and the evidence, they start to piece together the crime. Arnie stayed home from work that day. He didn't feel good, but Debbie talked him into going to get getting something for lunch. They got pizza and wine. Uh, and the bartender told them that they had had enough. So they went home. They were all hanging out. Music was too loud for Debbie, and everyone was drunk. And Debbie said that Alan got belligerent because Arnie wanted to leave. Um, Alan didn't want, want them to leave, so he grabbed Debbie, and Arnie told him, you know, like, get off her. So she said that Alan put his fists up like he wanted to fight Arnie, and she said that she looked at Arnie and said that was not Arnie. So, like... Ooh, that's creepy. Mm -hmm. She said he had cold black eyes and she knew exactly who it was. She said his facial features changed and his teeth changed Ugh. and they went at it. Arnie had a knife and he stabbed Alan. Alan went down and Arnie took off. They found the knife. It was on the ground and it was glowing. Uh, that's another one. Yeah. The cops are saying that, though, yeah. and it, they said that there was something up with that knife. What the fuck? So Arnie's in jail and they call the Warrens. Um, they, so they call the Warrens, off, obviously, because they know what's going on. So, you know, that right there tells me that they never left their mind. No. They were, you know, they probably were like literally walking on eggshells for months mm -hmm. waiting for something. Oh, my God. And then he just stabbed his friend. Holy shit. Okay. 
Um, so Lorraine called all the priests and that, that that had been involved in David's exorcisms. And no one was surprised. Um, Arnie had invited the demons to party and it took its time and made Arnie pay. So the cops, again, straightforward case. It was a murder. They didn't yeah. care why. They didn't care, you know, what the circumstances were. They were looking at a murder and Arnie did it, you know, plain and simple. Uh, but things were about to change. So the, the Warrens call the police and in that town, or they called the police in that town and requested that they speak to them about the case. So they met, they shared what was going on, that Arnie had challenged a demon and it may have transferred into Arnie. The police asked them, why should we believe you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ed told them that the, there was 43 demons. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, and they were skeptical, obviously. So a, a reporter, John Harris, gets gets wind of this story, and he's from Hartford, Connecticut, and he learns about the involvement of the church. And because of that, the story of the murder went, like, spread like wildfire, like everywhere. Rumors started about possession. Everyone was talking about it. And it was just a few years after The Exorcist came out, so it was already a hot topic. So, you know, obviously, if the devil's going on trial, it's going to be crazy. Um, again, it's a very Roman Catholic community, and if you believe in the good, you have to believe in the bad. And the it really split the community. Half of the community said, um, he's a murderer, he killed that guy. Half of them was like, he needs our prayers. So Ed starts defending Arnie, and they were telling everyone that he was subjected to demons. It goes to trial, and the defense of demon possession was was pretty well accepted, by the people, and I think it was media hype, probably, mm -hmm. most likely. So Marty, the attorney, went to meet with Arnie in jail. He said he was mellow, quiet, a peaceful individual. Or he was convinced that Arnie was possessed. And because Arnie just keeps saying, I don't remember. I don't remember. He doesn't remember because it wasn't him. So Marty agrees to take the case pro bono, which really tells you how much he really believed this. Yeah. Which I really want to know exactly what he heard. Like, that would be crazy. Which they did play some of the audio mm -hmm. in the documentary, and it's fucking nuts. So he takes the, the case, but he has to prove possession. So the story is everywhere by the time the trial even begins. And they're, you know, they're asking, is this a possible defense? And it's a media circus. So October 28th, the trial begins. Marty says that lights keep flickering on and off in the courtroom and no one could explain why. Things were happening to the jurors, according to Lorraine. And the judge stopped the trial just as Marty was, was about to begin his defense. Like the prosecution had already gone, you know, done their thing. And as soon as he was about to, to start his defense... The judge says the demonic possession is not allowed. He wasn't willing to say that it doesn't exist, but you can't prove it. So I think he should have given Marty a chance. But so Marty had to give Arnie a shot. So he goes to a self-defense and Alan was uh, the aggressor is what the, you know, what they basically went with. So the the jury finds Arnie not guilty, but he is convicted of manslaughter and gets 10 to 20 years. 
Debbie and Arnie actually got married while he was in jail, and he ends up serving less than five years. That was basically it for the story. I did put... So, David... I I wish David would have been part of the Mm -hmm. documentary. That would have been great. But at the end, it did say he lives a private life um, and was never affected by anything else. Uh, Arnie and Debbie were married for 25 years, and Debbie passed away a couple months ago in April. That's so sad. I bet she got COVID. Probably. Oh, my God. Anyone that dies in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Well, that was 2021. Oh. She just died a couple months ago. Well, maybe it wasn't then. Yeah. But, yeah, I have, um, yeah, I've, I've come to the conclusion this week that there, we just, there's so much crap going on. Yeah. It's like all these stories you hear. It's like. For people that don't, that aren't into this kind of thing, it's like they have no clue. I know. I know. No clue. Even we are into it. And we've only heard, I mean, you know, we've only heard stuff, but it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, because, okay, let's just say, let's just say every word, every sentence of this is 100% accurate, true what is there a fucking demon out there? Like, what's he doing? What's he doing right now? What what's what's a demon Formenting doing? Some poor person. Or maybe he's sitting back with a glass of nice blood or something. Like, <laughs> like what? What the fuck is this demon do? Like, what? You know, like it's it. You can't even wrap your head around it. It does. It's just so insane. It's so insane. But again, it's not the only story that we've heard. There's so many. There are. And they so many. They really do have a lot of similarities too, which oh, is yeah. so creepy. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's like, okay, take these people for instance. They didn't make any money off of this. No. So why do it? Even the book that we did. They kept it quiet for so long because they thought people would think they were crazy. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's what I would think. Why would you do that? Exactly. Why would you make up something? Why would you you make up something to keep it a secret and then come out with it 30 years later? It's just this one person saying how this happened. It's like groups of people. It's groups of reputable people. Usually we've heard doctors, policemen, you know psychiatrists social service workers all of them say that they have seen this crazy ass shit and it's so it's scary it is scary and you know i think that's that is my overall worst fear ever is the unknown because you don't know and it's creepy and that is like our lives think about okay say you know the stuff is true well, what if you're not a religious person? I mean, it's like that's think... how they fight them off, supposedly. So, are you saying like if you don't believe in God at all and you get possessed by a demon, you have no way to fight it? No. Yeah, you would have to. Okay, if you got possessed by a demon and you were like, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I mean. We got issues other than demons in us, you know, like. Yeah, but it's like you have, okay, our our demons or whatever this stuff is, does it really have to do with religion? I don't know. Like, that's the only way you can get rid of it? I mean, if you, okay, if you think about it, 
demons are a religious, quote unquote, thing. You know, they, they're they fallen angels, right? Yeah. At least well, Satan. Satan is. Yeah, yeah, at least Satan. So that in and itself is a religious thing, you know? Like, so, okay, in that case then, does it only happen to people that believe in that? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, I don't... I, but just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean that it can't happen to you. Obviously. Yeah, but then that calls everything into question. It does. Absolutely. 100%. Every single thing in question. Mm -hmm. Everything good. Everything bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is insane. That is overwhelming. It is. Because I don't believe in that. I know. But what if it ha Yeah. What if it happened to you? What if... What if this is real. What I if? I don't know. I don't know. I guess if that was the case, then I'd start believing real quick. Exactly. That's what I was saying. If 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 it happened to you and you were still like, nah, I don't, I don't believe in that. Like that's crazy. You you would have no choice. You would. It would be like shoving itself in your face. You know. You would have to believe it. You would have to. Yeah. It's just like if aliens like landed on Earth and we were like, eh, no, I don't think. What is what is that? It's just well, see, and that's a totally different thing because aliens have absolutely nothing to do with religion. Exactly. At least that we know of. Yeah. Th yeah. That's like a totally opposite spectrum of everything. Yeah. That's like, oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> I can't take this. This week has been crazy. My mind, or like my brain is exploding. I just, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's so and then crazy. it makes me wonder too, okay, so what if this stuff was, so you've got religious people. What if they brought this stuff onto to, themselves? Onto themselves or into existence? Well, and you know that. And it's not really anything it yeah that I mean, has to it, do with god or it whatever could be, yeah it could be because you know like stress something that we can't physically see really takes a toll on your body mm -hmm. and you can see that toll that it takes but it's like an invisible thing that you know mm -hmm. it's kind of like that like it, your stress is there and you can see the toll that it's taking, but you can't physically see that stress that what's causing that. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's there, but you can't see it. Like, just like the air, we know it's there. We're still breathing, but we can't see it. We just have to trust that this is good air. And you know, this is what we should be breathing. It's Cause I was thinking as, as you were talking, it's like, do possessions only happen to religious people? I don't, I don't think so. Because like, okay, take, well, I'm going to talk about um, The Exorcist, the movie, mm -hmm. but that was based on an actual boy yeah. that messed with a Ouija board. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he believed, I don't remember if they were religious people at all. I don't remember. But I don't believe that they were. 
But, you know, he was playing with this Ouija board and opened up something that he had no clue what he was doing. Well, so, that, yeah, and that makes me wonder if it has anything to do with religion or think, if it's like a portal to another realm or, or something like that. And people just assume that, I don't know, you know, it's a demon and it's got to do with religion. But, well, the reason why they say that, like, three knocks that they heard was mocking the Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. That's that's a common thing with these demonic things. So I think they're just depending on commonalities, you know, similarities between these stories, things that, you know, these demonic things are supposed to do. Like, the aversion to holy water, the... Resisting going into a church, you know, things that are religiously connected. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, in, in that case, if you look at it in that case, I can see why everyone thinks it's religious related because they do have aversion to these religious things and they do mock the Holy Trinity and they want your soul because it was God's gift mm-hmm. to you. You know, it is a religious thing. So, I mean, if you do, if you don't believe in that stuff and it still affects you, again, you would be stupid not to believe it in that case. I don't know. But if you have a demon and you go through a exorcism and, you know, they throw holy water and you're just like, hey, <laughs> you got me wet, you know, then I, I'm thinking it's not a religious thing. <laughs> But, you know, if they have an aversion to these things and they're like, meh, that hurts or I hate it or, you know, whatever they say, I would assume that it would be religious related. I don't know. There's too much stuff we don't know. There is too much stuff we don't know. And you could also go into, like, people who have drug addictions or things like that. Like, do demons force them to do that? You know, and they don't believe in, they're not religious people, so they just try and self-medicate, you know? Like, is it something driving them to do these drugs or, you know, try and shut things out or, you know, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. It's crazy. It is. And we will never, ever know. No, we won't. But, But, yeah, the only reason why I think it is... A religious thing is because the aversion and you know if you try an exorcism and it works or you know it helps or i don't know i've never heard of a demonic possession that wasn't religiously you know but where they try to take care of it through religion. yeah exactly yeah. yeah where you know i mean they it is it's just like well, a it's like an assumption the book that we read they didn't do that did they i don't remember no, I don't think they did. Did they? Didn't the it just like finally, finally go away? Or I think something? It, it did. Um, I think it was after. Yeah, I think it just stopped. Well, remember, I think it was at the end where they were like the little girl moved or something. Like she finally grew up and moved, so it stopped. So we started thinking it was something to do with the little girl. Oh, I'm thinking of the other one. What other one? Or. I'm thinking of unwelcome. Yeah, there was a girl. Yeah, it was, it was Martha or Marcia. Oh. The little girl. She was the one that was, remember she got th- like threw across the house? 
What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Remember the one with that they had the pool and all this stuff got thrown in the oh, pool? Oh, yeah, yeah, What was yeah. that? Oh, that was... And it was, was messing with their cars. Yeah. And writing shit on their mirror. Yes. What was that? Wasn't that the book? We must have done another book. That wasn't the same book. Oh, I don't think so. I don't no, think it was. It wasn't. that Because Unwelcome was the first one we did. We did another one. No, regardless. I don't think they did anything religious in that one either, did they? I don't they? think so. That one was where that that lady started finding, like, it would leave her presence. Yes, yeah. Those were religious artifacts that was it was leaving her. Hmm. They were, like, like... Super old. Like, there's no way anyone could have even gotten a hold of that. Mm-hmm. They were like, where the fuck did you get this? <laughs> that is... Oh, I just got chills. That is crazy. Oh, my God. These stories. I can't take uh, it. Oh, my gosh. Nuts. It is nuts. And, you know, just like Dan and Lindsay say, if even one aspect of any of these stories is true, that just opens up the gate, floodgates, to all kinds of shit that we don't understand. I mean, all kinds. All kinds. You've got, like you said, we've got UFOs, mm-hmm. which we know people have seen. Mm-hmm. You've got possessions. Yep. You've got cryptids. Yep. I mean... You've got fairies and goblins. Yes. And, I mean, all kinds all of... All that stuff. And it's like, where is it? I know. You know? What the fuck? I mean, I don't want to see any... Yeah, nothing scary. I just want to see, like, a fairy. That would be crazy. Or, you know... Then, we'll see, if you just saw something quick... And simple, like a fairy, you'd be like, I'm fucking losing it. I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> it's, you know, you can't just say that because I would be like, nope. But um, all these creatures that people see, like the the white humanoid or even things the with the really ass, long arms. Yeah, and, like the things that are seven feet tall yes. and even Bigfoot. And what is it? Where is it? It's just, it's crazy. It is Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we've been talking for about an hour <laughs> about how crazy the world is. Now we know uh, nothing. We know absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think I like it. <laughs> I know. I like listening to these stories and watching the shows and reading the books, but I don't want... To actually have a conversation about if it's real or not is too much. It is. It's overwhelming. It is. Because we don't know. We will never know. There's just... There's so many questions you, and no answers. You sit answers. there and you try to make sense of it. Exactly. And you can't. Exactly. You just can't. Your mind can't even wrap. It's just like I said earlier. Like, what is, what's the demon doing right now? Like, what's he doing? Is he? Did he find our podcast and, you know, sit down? <laughs> Laughing his ass off. <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. No, I mean, at us. Uh, he'd be like, hey, they're talking about me. <laughs> no, he's like, oh, they're really stupid. <laughs> Okay, we'll leave a review. <laughs> Not about whatever, how stupid we are. On whatever you listen to, I'll read it. <laughs> Demon or not, it's all right. Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy. It was an okay documentary. I kind of yeah. wished it was a little bit better. But the fact that Arnie was on it and Debbie was on it, mm-hmm. I really wish David would have been on it too, but that's yeah. okay. 
it it was it was decent. I kind of I don't done. I don't get how these people can go on and talk on TV about it. I mean, I just if they're, you know, if they're okay. And I've thought about this several times too because if you are talking to people who do not believe it, who are skeptical and they're like what the fuck ever, you sound like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel like an idiot. But if someone approaches you and says, hey, we heard what happened, tell us all about it, mm-hmm. you're going to be more, you know, yeah. more apt to tell your side of the story and what happened. But even Arnie on there, he was like, when the first thing he was like, buddy, did you did you find some pills? Yeah. You know, did you take did you take them? You know, they were like, what the what the fuck? You know, yeah. like they were like, come yeah. on. But then for him to murder his landlord and him be like, what? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, obviously, you know, he didn't believe it at first. And he seemed totally normal, like a totally normal guy. Yeah, he did. And just, oh, my God. It's so insane. It is really insane. But, yeah, the documentary wasn't that great. But, you know, if you really start thinking about it and talking about it and, you know, it's fucked up. Mm, it's crazy. Definitely, It's crazy. But, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, email in your stories. We still need those. We will have a normal episode next week. So send in those stories. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook and request to join the group. And I did want to say that someone had requested to join the group and I did not see it. So if it takes a few days, I'm sorry. <laughs> but just, you know, request. I'll, I'll eventually see it. So uh, request to join the group. And we will talk to you next week. Oh, rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.